I love Indy because of the opportunity. When you talk about Indianapolis, you first start to talk about sports. If the sport were basketball, Amp Harris would be your assist leader. He has a knack for tapping into the lives of elite professional athletes, their backgrounds, their stories, to share their experiences to help put young people in a winning position. A lot of us come from humble beginnings uh, ourselves, and so you just want to encourage the kids to just push forward and uh, just fight, fight for your dreams. Colts great Robert Mathis, one of the big horses in Amp's annual celebrity charity basketball tournament, where kids are the name of the game. You have to be able to show these young uh, boys and girls that people that look like you come from humble beginnings like yourself, but they stayed in the struggle and they continue to fight. And now you're looking at someone like me, who is and they're a poster child, I like to call myself, for, for hope and love. Amp Harris, an Indianapolis native who wears a lot of hats, community activist, business marketer, and event promoter. A Hoosier with a servant's heart. My guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Thanks for joining us for episode 95 of the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. I'm Gary Dick. If Indianapolis-born and bred Amp Harris isn't promoting or organizing community events in his hometown, he's the brains behind the brands of artists like singer-songwriter Stephanie Mills and fellow Hoosier, comedian Mike Epps. I love everything about Indianapolis, man. This is a beautiful town right here. And it is great to have Amp Harris on the podcast this week. Uh, Amp, how are you? I'm good, sir. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Hey, you know, you are, to put it mildly, you're a busy guy. And I did a little research. You have so many titles, DJ, radio <laughs> host, promoter, marketer, small business owner, community activist. If you were describing to someone, if you kind of, is there a short description of Ann Paris? You know what? Uh, a short description. Child of God. And under that umbrella, kind of like feeds into things that are really dear and passionate to my heart. I've only, you know, for me, I've never had, well, I've had maybe one and a half real jobs. <laughs> I was in, <laughs> I, I was on radio for probably 12, 13 years. And I had a cell phone company back in the day. Other than that, it's really just been things that, that I'm passionate about. So whether that be sports, music, entertainment and my number one driving force behind it all is my community philanthropic work mm -hmm. you know i use the things that pay the bills i've figured out a way to use those things those assets and and my relationships and, and what i call magnets to shine a light on my community activist work. You are passionate about giving back to community. Uh, <laughs> as you mentioned, the Saving Our Youth Celebrity Basketball Game with Reggie Wayne turned into you know, quite an event. And I think the name says a lot about you, Saving Our, our Youth. Talk about that and, and your passion for community, uh, but also uh, youth and young people. Uh, I mean, and, and the funny thing is Reggie Wayne is 
the most recent celebrity that has been attached to it. But it actually started close to 30 years ago. And it was an event that I put together with Vivica Fox. The event was the, at at that point, it was just, again, something that was on my spirit. I wanted to utilize what I thought youth would gravitate to. And, and that's why I call it my magnet. So the celebrity basketball game aspect is really the magnet, the topic to get to the issue. And so what I wanted to do was utilize that celebrity at the moment was Vivica Fox. And I, I called it the Vivica Fox Hollywood weekend in Indianapolis. And I did the very first year at North Central High School. And then after that, it morphed into something where I brought on Haywood Workman because he and yep. I used to have a business together back in the day called You Would Too. And Haywood Workman played with the Indiana Pacers. So hence, again, the magnet. And then once Haywood left or got traded, I went to Edron James. And then it was the Amp Harrison, Edron James saving our youth celebrity basketball game. Then came Reggie once Edron went to Seattle. But what it really is about and, and how I utilize, again, my relationships, those are all the topics because I know young people gravitate to those titles, those names, those images, the likeliness of those kind of people. And what the majority of the people that are seeing the title and seeing the game, they don't realize the what I'm doing on the backside of this is sitting in classrooms, going to the juvenile center, going to the boys and girls club, going into the inner city and using those celebrities to have real dialogue conversations with those kids that look like me, come from backgrounds like me. No matter if you're white, black or purple, you just come from humble beginnings. But I now use the celebrity to tell a story about, because a lot of them come from those same environments. Now we sit down and we talk, we don't talk about basketball. We don't talk about movies. We don't talk about music. We literally talk about life. That's the saving our youth part of it. Yeah. So the celebrity basketball game was for people like yourself to come in with the media cameras and highlight that. In the meantime, it's, I'm able to use that as, myself to show kids that you can become a pro at something other than an athlete, other than a a music person, but you need to understand this didn't just happen for these people that you idolize. They too come from broken homes, single parent homes, Mm -hmm. low income homes. Now you can hear the real story and the real side of where Edron James came from where you know Paul George came from, where Kevin Hart came from, where Mike Epps came from. So that's the, the, the real backstory to the celebrity, the Ampere saving our youth celebrity basketball game. Yeah. And, and when you talk to young people who face challenging backgrounds, futures, you talk with validation because you grew up, uh, you had a tough childhood. Talk a little yes, bit about I mean, that. And, and I, 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 I'm sure that tough childhood really has defined you as a person. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the key. I think a lot of we, we live in such a society now, especially with social media, that it's driven by images. And it used to be, you know, what we used to hear, because that's that's what we, we, we would get our information from. Now it's what we see. And because of what we see, that has be jumped in the front of what we hear. And so as a child growing up, I was fortunate. I was the youngest of eight. 
I grew up in a single parent home. My mother did everything she could to protect us. I grew up as a God-fearing young man. I grew up with ministers and, and, and preachers throughout my entire life. But my mother have always instilled in me is not what you have, is what you do with what you have. And I don't know, I mean, I think it clicked in me when I was maybe 13 or 14. And well, I ain't gonna say I think, I know it did. Because at that point, you know, I went through a really tragic situation where I watched, well, I didn't really like just watch it, but it just happened in front of me. My stepfather shoot my brother in the head and my brother died basically right in front of me. Wow. This is a 13 year old boy. So, and I used to couldn't even talk about it without breaking down. And so I learned to face my fears. And as I got older, you know, I, I am a very faithful person. And I believe that, again, I was a sacrificial lamb because I come from a broken home where there was drug dealers and, you know, drug users and the things that in the Black community, and well, in every community, people grow up in in those those environments, but it never touched me. You know, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I've never been arrested. So I looked at myself as you you've been given this platform when people said that you should be broken because of the 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 tragic situation that I saw. And that was just one of a many, but that was the one that I think in my brain, it put me in a place where I said, you know, even as a, you know, grown up in this day and age, I ask myself every morning, God, why me? Whatever yeah. that is. And so I think that my purpose is greater than the titles that people give me. And they don't understand that it has nothing to do with me. I mm -hmm. am just a vessel to get out here and stand ten toes in the sand to be a beacon of hope for that young boy or girl who feels like my life is over because I I have I, my daddy ain't in the house. My life is over because my family members stay in and out of drugs. My life is over because you know I didn't go to college. People think I got like a master's degree because I've been able to sit in so mm -hmm. many rooms. But even in that, you know, so. I'm the I, I I try to let myself be used in the most humble way with the biggest and brightest light that is shined upon me. Yeah. What what do you think kept you from turning to the streets? You know, it it, it would seem that would have been a pretty easy path for you to go down, but but you didn't. You 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 chose the right path. Why do why do you think that is? That's that's a that's a wonderful question. I, again, that's why I said I think that, and I've just recently started to own this. That my pastor Jeffrey A. Johnson, senior at Eastern Star Church, once told me, "And you are anointed." And my mother used to always tell me that, and I used to be like, "Whoa, wait a minute, stop saying that. That's too much <laughs> pressure." I, I no 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 because I, I really didn't understand what that meant. And for me, it's like. I was always very observant and, you know, I, my mother is the strongest person in the entire world to me because not physically, but mentally because, and she's 90 years old because what she had to endure as a child growing up in Greenwood, Mississippi, 
segregation, racism, all of these things, but she never ever wavered. She never ever, even in what happened with my brother. So to answer that question, I think I was able to discern early on right versus wrong. And that's how I live my life today. You know, yes, I'm a I'm loyal to a fault. Some of my friends were humongous drug dealers. And that never was something that peaked that that I wanted to be because I learned from what even though you know he passed, but I learned from my older brother what not to do. Mm-hmm. Just like I learned from my father what not to do as a parent and what to do. So I just think that I had this keen ability to one discern right from wrong. And then two, I think a lot of it was I was spared. I, I this is where my faith comes in at because mm-hmm. I feel that I've been put in a place where, you know, I have a I have a purpose. You mentioned you, your mother growing up in in Mississippi being exposed to to racism, you too, growing up here in Indianapolis, I know in in uh, reading a few articles, um, witness a, a cross burning, right? It, it was it at the high school, at Decatur Central High Decatur School. Decatur Central right? High School. Ironically enough, I just, and it's been years since I've been back past that school. I, my daughter and I just w- w- drove down to watch Indiana University play Jackson State. Yeah. Uh, over the Thanksgiving holiday. And of course, you have we get off on 465 and we have to make that left turn. And it yeah. was I was explaining to my daughter, who's 18 now and a freshman at Howard University. I was explaining to her like this happened and we coming around 465 coming off the freeway on Kentucky Avenue. And I said, that's where I first saw the light in the sky. And we didn't have a clue because we were part of the busing program and it was Mm -hmm. six o'clock in the morning. And so for me, none of us knew what it was. But the moment we pulled into on the the campus of Decatur Central High School, you could see this perfectly carved out cross burning. Hmm. And it's so eerie to me to this very moment that that was the first time I've been back past Decatur Central High School since I graduated in 1986. Wow. Wow. And so, you know, I had to, I, I laughed with my daughter because, you know, my daughter <laughs> looks at me as like a freedom fighter. <laughs> and I said, you know, but I want you to understand I have been in this fight for as long as I can remember. But as a grown up now, I can re- look back because even then, I was on a basketball team and I protested at the school, quit the basketball team and made the superintendent of Decatur Township come and have a meeting with me and like two other kids from my neighborhood and our homeschool advisor talking. And and, and I'm a 16, 17 year old kid, but I understood that wasn't right because I know my history. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a real advocate of in order for you to know your destiny, you got to know your history. So for me, and knowing in what I call a George Floyd movement, hearing my mother tell the stories because she never really shared what she went through. And, you know, thinking back on some of the things that I've gone through, it's something that's that sticks up there, just yeah. like the death of my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Amp, you're very you know high profile guy in in the community. Certainly, how would you describe race relations in Indianapolis today? What would be your take on on uh, race hmm. relations here, present day? I think that's a kind of like a you know I need to have broader shoulders when we say race relations in Indianapolis because it's 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 in so many different factions. When you're talking about just as a black man, you know, because it it it's not just me being a black man walking down the street, but it's also me being a black man working in corporate America, me being a black man in the education system, me being a black man walking through, you know, Walmart. You know, race is something not just in Indianapolis. I think, again, because like I stated starting this conversation, images rule our world. Rather, if you're in New York City, a democratic state, if you're in California, a democratic state, or if you're down south in Alabama or Mississippi, a Republican state. The fact that we don't really talk about race and, and it is like taboo, race relations in Indianapolis is no different than anywhere else in the country. I feel that most and and during what I call the George Floyd movement, I've I I do have a different privilege that during that time, you know, I did two huge protests downtown with some young high school ladies called Black Women in Charge, and I kind of like mentored them. But one was to bring us together to show that it's it's not about race as much as it's about the issue of division. Mm -hmm. And so as a black man, I understand that if you are, and I'll use this word, an oppressor, or if you are afraid of what you think you may lose, then race becomes a problem. And so when I think about race relations in Indianapolis, it's so far apart from where it could be because there are really some good people. Every person that I met with during the George Floyd movement was a white influential man or woman, i.e., and I name names because I have really great relationships with these people. Rutherford's Rick Fusion, president of the Indiana Pacers, mm -hmm. Mark Miles, Allison Melington over at IMS, Pete Ward, with the Indianapolis Colts. And if you notice, it's still within my wheelhouse of what I deal with. Mm -hmm. I, you know, had conversations with people from Downtown Inc. And, and a bunch of other people. But at the end of the day, my question to all of these people that I consider to be my really good friends out of respect is, are you comfortable being uncomfortable? And in that, race relations can only change through the images of what you guys bring to the table because what you bring to the table is the unifier, sports and entertainment. So yes, race relations is very prevalent here in, in the state of Indiana. Racism is very real in the state of Indiana, but I also believe it's based on those that are willing to say First and foremost, we have a problem with race in the state of Indiana. Mm -hmm. And if we can't get people to admit that, it's the first thing they would tell you if I was to go to a AA meeting 
hi, my name is Ann Paris and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> Why can't we say, hi, my name is Ann Paris and I believe races, ra that racism is prevalent. If we can't get to that point of it, we can do, we can hire every minority and put a de department together in every major corporation. But until we start seeing black people in key positions with intention, race issues are going to stay the same because all we're going to do is peddle the same information and show the same images. Much more with Amp Harris when we return. Talk about growing up in Indy, his success in the entertainment world, and much more when the Business and Beyond podcast returns. At PNC Bank, we're committed to making a difference in the lives of our customers and communities by helping them move forward financially. As a Main Street Bank, we try to do right by our customers with every encounter. Our local teams offer personalized financial advice to help guide you in making the best decision. We're proud to be part of your community. PNC Bank. See how we can make a difference for you at PNC.com. Copyright 2022, the PNC Financial Services Group Bank, all rights reserved. Welcome back to the Business and Beyond podcast presented by PNC. My guest this week is DJ, radio host, community activist, promoter, marketer. He's got a lot of titles, a very high profile guy in Indianapolis, Amp Harris. And Amp, you're a worker. I mean, <laughs> you, you do, you have a lot of different jobs. You stay active. And, and I know it, it, doing a little research, music, very important to you. Did you, were you DJing at the age of 13? I started. Yes. Um, <laughs> You know, I grew up in a music family. Uh, I used to play drums when I was younger. Uh, my brother was a musician. My sisters were singers. So it was in our family. And I just always gravitated to music. And then, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in New York as a younger kid. And so I picked up on a lot of different things. So I started DJing at the age of like 12, 13. And it's just something that just organically happened. And from that, I worked with here in Indianapolis with Tony Lamont, who is a longtime mm -hmm. radio guy, Thomas Sparkle Sox Griffin, longtime radio guy that that was on radio. And it wasn't something, you know, I, I used to DJ with those guys and I was just a club DJ and I became really popular because I would infuse a lot of my East Coast New York experiences and bring them back to Indianapolis. So I stood out a little differently than a lot of other club DJs. And I was DJing in over 21 clubs when I was 16, 17. I used to play basketball at Decatur Central, catch the bus and, you know, from Martinsville back to Decatur Central, a bus from Decatur Central back to 30th and Broadway. <laughs> and, and then, you know, that after that, go DJ in a club for under 21 parties. And that was kind of like my theme. And that's where I was able to influence, you know, young kids and teach them how to act in clubs and so forth. So that, you know, I started my Amperis production company in 1993, and then I became a promoter and I was promoting concerts, comedy concerts at Market Square Arena, the Marat Theater, you know, people like Martin Lawrence, Public Enemy, Salt and Pepper, you name it. I was doing it and, and I was young. I was in my 20s then. And then, you know, they asked me, I never wanted to be on radio. That was never one of my dreams. 
they asked me to start a mix show on WTLC, which is what got me into it. And the show became so popular. They actually still do it now on WTLC. It's called The Basement Party. And they do it on the weekends. And so I started that. And it just kind of like just everything just started happening. And that's why I said, like, I, I, it's just a gift. And I'm thankful that I've never really had to because I don't write anything down. I don't create a business plan. I didn't. And that's what throws a lot of people off. You know, I really believe that I am led to be where I'm at. And I don't I don't I don't have to conform, if I may, because mm-hmm. organically I kind of did this my way and so you know from the relationship side of it you know i i I started with professional athletes and uh, manage what i don't i hate the word title management because manager because i only officially manage one person now and that's this legendary artist by the name of stephanie mills right now currently uh but you know i've i've been impactful in the careers of mike epps i mean just locally not national people i could name some but like locally Mike Epps, Edron James, you know, Reggie Wayne, you know, work with Peyton Manning, work did stuff with Andrew Luck, all of these different people, the Indianapolis Colts, the Pacers, Indiana Black Expo, UNCF. And it's just something that organically just happened. It's hard for me to even talk about it because yeah. most people have a blueprint of how they got to where they are. Right. I really don't. Well, you know, to me, I think you have been successful in cultivating those relationships with high profile people because and again i know in in reading some articles mike epps as an example the great entertainer uh says he gets as much you know from you positive wise a benefit from your relationship and, and and i think that that kind of feeds on itself it's um something very positive and and, and that's the other thing about you amp that i, I noticed you've got a positive attitude you know so there's so much negativity in the world social media and the entertainment business, all those, those things, you, you bring positivity to the table and, and based on the challenge you challenges you had as a youngster, you think you could be a bitter guy, but you're not. No, because I learned again, my, that's why I say my mother is the strongest person that I know because all the trials and tribulations that she has endured, you know, mine doesn't even compare, but what I can do is see that she is somebody that never allowed the worst of the worst to define her. And so I I live a mantra every day that I live a stress-free life. Not to say that I don't have issues like all the rest of us, but I don't let those stresses define me. You know, I'm I'm a firm believer as a again as a, a faithful person that whatever is meant for me, good, bad or indifferent is for me. And, you know, I used to challenge myself on that years ago. So I don't know how, and I have these conversations with with national people all the time. And they say to me, man, you know, you're always smiling. You're always this, you're always that. From a positive side, like, how do you do that? And I think it's a mindset, you know, to be honest, it's, it's, it's a mindset that I tell myself things that I can't control, I don't let them control me. And someone else's emergency isn't mine. And then the last thing and the most important thing is self-love. You know, I am really big on, I'm in love with Amp Harris. A lot of times what we do is we fall in love with the other, whatever the other is, the job, the the woman, the man, you know, the golf club, the, the liquor, the whatever it is. 
and I've learned to be okay with me. You know, when people talk about mental health issues, I'm a big advocate of speaking about mental health because I know what I went through mentally, I shouldn't be able to stand and, and have these kind of conversations. But what I know that I've had to put myself through to get to this space is looking myself in the mirror and asking myself, good or bad, what part did you contribute to that situation? And most people are afraid to do that because a lot of times they have to look themselves and say, oh, you were the reason that happened. See, I'm not afraid of that anymore. You know, and, and, and people in entertainment, they're able to mask it because they can always sing a joke, bounce a ball, uh, whatever their career is, that's what they use. And I am just a beacon of hope that trouble don't last always unless you allow it to. So that's why I, I can I can get up in the morning and be okay with whatever happens. You know, I don't, because it's, I mean, what can I do? <laughs> you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's like sit there and cry about it or you can fall down, truly get back up. And I don't, I always tell people, it doesn't matter to me whether if you a believer in faith, in, in God, Find you something that you can believe in that influences your life in a positive way. That's that's all that matters to me. The high profile people you mentioned, and there are numerous ones that you can call as friends. Are there characteristics that in your interactions with entertainers, athletes and others, do you take away any particular characteristics that these high profile, again, entertainers, athletes have? It's, it's all, and it's not, I mean, you know, let me expand on that part too, because it could be a, it, it could be the faith-based preacher. It could be the drug dealer. It could be the politician. It could be the president of a Fortune 500 company. I look at them all the same. And what I am keen on is spirits. You know, I, someone once told me I attract wounded people and I laughed <laughs> because I'm like, oh, snap. That's a great assessment of me because I'd never thought of it that way. But then it also makes sense because of what you're pointing out in terms of, you know, me always being happy or always being positive. That would make sense that I would be, you know, those kind of people would be drawn to me. And I get asked this question all the time. What do you do to make those kind of people like you? And I'm like, is that like a backhanded compliment or <laughs> like, why do I have to do something? Why can't I be, just be me? And yeah. I said, ultimately, that's what I do. I've learned to respect me before I like them. And I don't care how much money you have, what your what your accomplishments are. If you are a bad person with a bad spirit. I, it's it's a uh, you can go do whatever you want. I'm fine over here by myself. And I tell them that like I'm okay without having stand next to the biggest celebrity in the room. So uh, yes, there is. I think, and this is something that I've had to learn to okay be okay with that. I have a discernment of good versus bad. 
that that's the word that I was looking for earlier to describe why I was able to stay away from the bad things. And a lot of it is prayer and, and luck being in the right place at the wrong time happens a lot of times. But yeah, I just it's really based on a person's spirit with me. It doesn't matter because a lot of my real friends, they retire. And what you tend to happen to see is once those people retire, the people that are around them, that relationship ain't the same because there's always a give and take a part of the relationship. And if you don't have anything else to give me, oh, I'm going to the next one. Mm-hmm. And see, I'm just not like that. I'm a loyalist. Well, Ann Paris, you have worked uh, very hard to build uh, a really great brand in our community. And importantly, you've given back to community in so many ways. So uh, really do appreciate you taking the time to uh, join me on the podcast. And again, really appreciate all you do for Indianapolis and Indiana as well. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. And if you, if those that want to, you know, participate or support Amparis, go to my foundation website, which is amparisfoundation.org. And you'll see just a snippet of some of the stuff that we do. Perfect. Amparis, my guest this week on the Business and Beyond podcast. Really appreciate you joining us as well on the podcast. It's a weekly conversation with achievers in business, sports, entertainment, and beyond. And you can download all of our episodes and get Indiana Business News 24-7 at InsideIndianaBusiness.com. I'm Gary Dick. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.